welcome Bob Apollo from Inflection Point. Bob is recognized as one of the leading proponents of outcome-centric selling, helping growing B2B technology companies implement scalable sales strategies that deliver predictable revenue growth. Is that uh, a good summary, Bob? I think it's an excellent summary. Thank you very much for the introduction, Richard. <laughs> excellent. Um, I just really wanted to have a, a discussion, Bob. Um, we're seeing you know, lots of change in the market. I've been talking to lots of my clients um, and having conversations. And it seems um, an interesting time where some companies are trying to sort of go back to business as usual, carry on like nothing has happened. Um, and others um, have actually said to me they're trying to sort of reevaluate and reset um, perhaps their business model, their sales strategy. Uh, are you seeing this from some of your, your clients? Yeah, there's a lot of my clients, uh, Churchillian in their outlook. And he right. apparently famously once said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And so <laughs> it's becoming a catalyst for rethinking uh, their business. Um, mm -hmm. I think it would be unwise to assume that we're ever going to return to something that looks exactly like the sales environment we had only three or four months ago. So mm -hmm. I think there are going to be uh, some lasting changes and um, organizations, I think the organizations that will do well will see this as something that has stimulates maybe a more rapid pace of change than they might yeah. otherwise have done, but perhaps doing things that they would have gotten around to it's mm. just that it's all being concentrated into a much shorter period of time. Yeah, it's accelerated that change, hasn't it? And I mean, with, with the, the, the sort of sales community that you deal with, CEOs or sales leaders, are there any sort of any particular advice that you're giving them in terms of taking advantage of the sort of upcoming recovery? Well, one of the pieces of advice actually is... Um, assuming your plans can support it, there's some very good sales talent out there at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, you know, if you're determined to power out of this and to grow um, and to get the right people on board, th this could be a, a very good time to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the other advice I'm giving is, you know, whichever way you look at it, um, B2B selling has been riddled with examples of wasted effort and resources and you know avoidable errors yeah and this is a really good time to look at uh, how things have evolved and to identify those uh, you know potential sources of waste mm -hmm. and progressively eliminate them and look at where deals go wrong where they didn't need to go wrong and mm -hmm. sort of really in a pretty systematic way look at how you can progressively eliminate some of the errors that uh, have crept in sometimes from time to time in the sales process so so do you think the i suppose the traditional way of solution selling how does that differ from your approach of sort of the outcome um, centric uh, methodology yeah well years ago the authors of the Challenger Sale published an article in the Harvard Business Review. Uh, I think it was titled The Death of Solution Selling. And, and right. I think that title was premature, but it was very deliberately provocative. You know, they had a new methodology to promote. Mm. So I think at, at heart, 
solution selling is still a very solid principle, but I think it's been led astray a bit. I think too many tech companies have become too used to labeling something a solution without any reference to the customer challenges that mm -hmm. their offering was designed to address. And you really can't have a solution until and unless the customers acknowledge they have a problem or a challenge or an opportunity, and they acknowledge that what you've done with them has helped to address that. Now, those mm -hmm. are really the only circumstances under which something can really be labeled a solution. Yeah. So I think it's been a bit of laziness. Yeah, and I suppose in today's you know, economy as well, it's so important to I suppose, qualify and chase down those, those sales and those deals that can actually come off um, rather than having a full pipeline that 60% or 70% isn't going to go anywhere. It's that qualification as well, yeah. which is so important for the, the smaller technology companies well, with limited resources as well. Absolutely. And so the perspective I take is, and that's why we, you know, have developed a focus on outcomes and not on solutions, is to mm -hmm. really understand what the customer is trying to achieve and why that outcome is so important to them mm -hmm. that they can't afford not to do something about it. And I think to your point about qualification, uh, qualification isn't just about product fit or even company fit. For me, qualification in the current climate is about the intersection of three critically important things. The problem you can help them solve has got to be strategically relevant to the organization, mm -hmm. to the customer. It's got to be tactically urgent. They can't afford to wait. And you've got to be able to demonstrate that by working with you, they can get rapid time to value. Strategically right. relevant, yeah. tactically urgent, rapid time to value. So then you can actually deliver a solution that actually has the outcome the customer's wanting, um, which I suppose, again, some customers, they don't know they have the issue or they're looking for ways of developing their business, but you need to uncover those, don't you? And sometimes make them aware of some of their issues. And that's one reason why I think there is a, there has historically been, um, uh, an observation that tech companies are very good at training their salespeople to promote the product and pitch it and present mm. it and demonstrate it and so on. Mm. But what's uh, actually probably far more important than that is that their salespeople demonstrate business acumen and that they can have conversations with a potential customer about the business challenges, priorities, and how the company that the salesperson represents can help the customer, you know, deal with those things. Yeah. Um, and that's particularly relevant, isn't it? When you've got the, the much larger complex deal cycles where if the sales um, person has almost come from the industry side, I've seen that those guys be very successful because they can, they've got the view from the other side of the fence as such, they can actually dig into the, the pains because they understand them more. I think it's, as you say, it's, it's really going under the skin and looking behind that, that curtain as such in terms of what the client's actually trying to achieve. Uh, and that is, that is so important because um, I think there's a bunch of studies and this is the practical experience of a lot of sales leaders anyway, that um, 
if you can talk the customer's language. Mm. Uh, and of course, you pick yeah. that up by familiarity with the customer's space. Yeah. And also, if you have a fund of anecdotes that you can share about other similar people and similar organizations facing similar challenges and priorities and how you help those other customers overcome them. Mm. Um, so yeah, it gives you that authentication, customer. doesn't it? It gives you, it makes you authentic yeah. as a sales guy. Yeah. Very interesting. So on the flip side of that, what are the dangers really for um, the, the companies that don't sort of pivot around this? How do you see that if they don't sort of, if, if they stick with the old ways, is there any particular dangers you see for those companies? I, I think they will become increasingly irrelevant and what's mm -hmm. just happening in the marketplace is accelerating that trend. An awful lot of technology spaces are becoming increasingly commoditized. Mm -hmm. So if you felt in the past, maybe even if you were successful in the past, differentiating yourself on features, on functions, on, you know, generic benefits, mm. that, space for differentiation is becoming ever narrower mm. and you've really really got to differentiate yourself um, on the basis of giving the customer confidence that you can achieve a, a valuable and timely outcome for them yeah. so you know it, actually your ability to articulate your approach how you go about supporting them in the achievement of these outcomes is very much more important than your ability to have a sort of a dictionary-like uh, mm. understanding of the product or yeah. encyclopedic understanding yeah. of the product. So fundamentally for them, for the organization, if they have that, that approach uh, very clear in terms of their strategy, that then allow, that will filter down through into the sales teams and allow a much more, I suppose, targeted way of going to the market. And obviously then you produce better results. Well, you do. And I think one of the other reasons why um, focusing on customer specific outcomes is so important nowadays is uh, solutions are increasingly being sold on an ad as a, as a service basis, mm, mm. you know, with renewal points and so on. And uh, honestly, if, this is not just about the level of usage. The thing that's really important is whether the customer is achieving the outcomes that they set out to um, yeah. reach when they first decided to invest. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not just a matter of the salesperson doing a best possible job of winning the deal. Uh, all of the things that lead up to that taking of yeah. the order need to have laid the foundation for a successful implementation mm -hmm. and the and achievement what, of results. Yeah. And one of the challenges, um, you know, I often, when I'm talking to salespeople, they say is the, you know, because of the uh, internet, because of the research they can do, they can almost have, they're 80% away of their way into a decision. Um, so you've got to disrupt that thinking. And that's about, you know, by your approach of thinking of the outcome, does that help disrupt the, the sort of the customer's thinking in terms of you're not just pushing a solution to them, you're actually trying to find out the outcome they're looking to achieve? 
Well, yeah. Uh, by the way, I've always been very wary of those published statistics about customers being a very long way down the decision-making process. I think it works in simple transactions, mm -hmm. and I think it works in familiar purchases where the customer believes they know what they want. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, I think it's hard to believe that what I'd characterize as a complex discretionary purchase, in other words, the customer might decide not to do anything, mm -hmm. can be navigated by the customer waiting until they're 80% um, through. Right. So I, I, I think if you're in a, um, a business where you're not just satisfying clearly articulated needs, but you're trying to create or develop or, or reshape needs, mm -hmm salespeople really have to engage earlier and the rationale for engaging earlier is that that conversation isn't going to be about how great your products are it's going to be about sharing your experience of how mm -hmm. other organizations similar yeah. to the one that you know you're talking to right now have navigated this buying journey yeah and the the success they've seen from using this type of your technology yeah it's very interesting yeah and and i don't, frankly i wouldn't blame customers if they held off until they were 80 percent through a buying cycle before they wanted to see a salesperson if mm -hmm. all they got at the end of that was a crude standard product pitch mm -hmm. i mean why would you want to expose yourself to that any earlier than you have to <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but, you yeah. Know, if you think you'll learn something valuable something that could actually help you to make a better decision, you know, something which was really sharing business insights and not product details. Mm. Well, I, that, that feels like a, a much better reason to agree to engage early as a customer, as a potential customer. Yeah, that interest level, isn't it? Everyone always wants to understand what other people are doing, what other companies perhaps have have implemented to to improve their success and especially in today's market i mean i i i talked to lots of the retail companies and e-commerce companies and some have you know held back um some are accelerating their uh you know their their technology uh, implementing it so it is a you know i think some companies you know if they're not changing why aren't they changing you know using what they've already used it probably isn't a good enough excuse anymore well, and, and back to you sort of raised the question of qualification earlier. Uh, I think one of the things that salespeople need to be very alert to is, so what's the mindset of the organization I'm trying to sell to? You know, the B2B marketers have talked about buyer personas for a long time, um, but actually organizations have personas as well. Mm. And so, you know, you need to understand whether the organization you're trying to sell to has that rather conservative perspective, you know, we'll just batten down the hatches and hope that good times will return. Or am I selling to an organization who recognizes this as an opportunity yeah. to um, redesign what they're doing? And can we help, can we show how we can help them redesign yeah. What, what, yeah. what they're doing? I think you have to read the the pers personality of the organization, the mindset mm. of the organization. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's, in, it's interesting, isn't it? Is it very interesting? Because you do get companies that are, a you know, a, a pure SAP shop or IBM shop, and it's their 
easy go-to. And if you're a niche tech provider, um, you know, you've got the latest cutting edge technology, you know, how do you break into them if they've never shown an appetite before, isn't it? So, you know, the well, buyer persona is a very interesting topic, isn't it? And it's not impossible to break through. Let's acknowledge that. But let's also acknowledge that if you are the very first you're trying to be the very first best of breed supplier to penetrate an organization that has historically only ever chosen to buy from a single preferred vendor, whether it's SAP or Oracle, mm. you've got to have some pretty compelling um, reasons. Yeah. And of course, part of that would be they have to be very, very confident that they will almost be guaranteed to get a much better outcome if they go mm. with you mm. that you know it's not a risk you really need to go in with your eyes open yeah um, so yeah very yeah it's interesting to sort of you can obviously go for different tangents and you know how these companies can uh, really improve i mean obviously coming out of covid now we, we're moving into um perhaps you know a new a new economy a new dynamic I mean, what, what's the one piece of advice, you know, you, if you sat down with a, a CEO or a sales team, sales leadership, you know, you would give them or what would your advice be to them? I mean, have absolute clarity about, you know, the issues that your organization is really good at addressing for mm. your potential customers. And based on that, absolute clarity have a really clearly articulated vision of, so what does your ideal customer look like? Who are the change agents within those organizations who are likely to you know, take charge and drive the change project forward? And what are the catalysts or the triggers? Now, COVID's the obvious trigger event, probably the mm. most profound trigger that we've seen for decades. Yeah. Um, but there are other more industry specific or company specific catalysts and uh, triggers. You know, mm. go, go deliberately looking for those places where your organization can achieve the greatest in impact for potential customers. Yeah, very interesting. Well, Bob, thank you very much for your time. There's uh, some very good food for thought. Um, I think it will be. Uh, interesting to explore those ideas and hope the audience find them you know very insightful thank you for your time today Bob thank you for the invitation Richard great conversation appreciate yeah, it excellent thank you